God. Uh, but before, before we really get into things, and if you'd like to open up your Bibles, go ahead and turn to John 17, 17, and we'll start there. But before we get started, I, I want to ask you a question. Uh, let, let's just say, theoretically, okay, just hypothetically here, I've been given a map. And this map just, it leads to a treasure. And the treasure is supposed to be somewhere around, let's say, $150 million. That's the worth of it. That, that, is, that is what the value is set for. So I've got this map and I say, hey, I need some help. And the congregation here this morning, let's say that we all work together in order to get this treasure, and, and so we're going to get this treasure because, you know, we can split that up and basically have a million dollars apiece, and, you know, uh, who wouldn't want that, right? So we start looking for this treasure, and let's say we're following this map, and the map says that, uh, that at a certain point in our path, we need to take a right. And we get down to this path, and we're looking, and we're following this map. And we get down to this point in the path, and then we stop and we say, okay, um, we know that the map says for us to turn right right here, but let's debate this for a second. Which way do you think we should go? Which way is it that we should go? I mean, we could go left. Left actually kind of looks nice. Why don't we just go left? But the instruction says to do what? It says to go right. And so, you know, when we, if we're going for that treasure, what are we going to do? to follow that map exactly you know we we may pour over it and we may ask ourselves questions but the end result is that we are going to do exactly what it says because we want that treasure right you want that treasure at the end so you're going to do exactly what it says brethren friends and family we have that kind of a treasure and in essence, we have been given a treasure map. And we need to follow it exactly. Now, we, we're, this morning, this lesson is, is getting back to the Bible. And, and the question first comes up is, why do we need to do that? Maybe even before that is, I didn't know that we had get, gotten away from it. Well, honestly, uh, a lot of people have steered Way away from the Word of God, they have decided that you know they're going to get up and they're going to they're going to get numbers, right? They want numbers in the congregation because you know numbers. What, what does that do? It pads people's pockets. But it's not about numbers for numbers' sake. It's about souls. It's about doing what's right. It's about following the Word of God. And the end result, of course, is we want to go to heaven. Now, if we want to go to heaven, we need to do it God's way. Now, it shouldn't be any surprise to you that there are people teaching different things in this religious world, right? I can guarantee you that someone somewhere, even in this town right now, may even at this present moment be preaching a sermon... That it's not going to go in line with the one that is being preached today. Why is that? Why is that? 
We need to only preach the word of God, not our opinions. You know, this is the way I look at it, and I hope that you see, see this point of view is God loved us so much that he sent his only son to die for us. Not only did he do that, but he left instructions for us in order for us to be able to get hold, lay hold of that eternal salvation. And then also that we can live faithfully. It's given us instructions for living. We can be saved through this word and we can know how to live through this word. Now, I don't know about you, but um, I don't think that I am smarter than God. I don't even think I'm the smartest person in this room. So I know that I'm not smarter than God. So when we are looking for advice on something, what do we do? You know, if let's say you've got a plumbing problem, but you have no idea about plumbing. Now, who are you going to call? Well, you're going to call Ghostbusters, right? No, that's... No, what are you going to do? You're going to call an electrician? No, you're still not going to do that, are you? What are you going to do? You're going to call somebody with knowledge about it. You're going to call somebody who is a plumber to come and fix the problem. Somebody who has knowledge on that subject. So when it comes to the Word of God, if we want to lay hold on the treasure that's been given to us by the Lord, then what is it that we need to do? We need to follow exactly the advice that has been given to us from our Eternal Father. So, yes, yes, there are people who teach outside the Word of God. And there are different motives for that. But I, I want to I ask this simple question. Why get back? Why get back to the Bible? Why get back to the Bible at all? Well, let's, let's mention some things. If you turn over to John 17, 17, it was a passage that we read uh, this morning for our script reading. It says, uh, that, uh, it says, sanctify them by thy truth. Thy word is truth. Now, now what's the word? You know, well, specifically at that point, they're talking about Christ's sayings. Anything that Christ was saying, that was truth. That was it. But Christ is also deity, right? Christ is deity, so anything he says goes. What about God the Father? He's also deity. Anything he says should go. Well, what about the Holy Spirit? Well, anything that he says should go too. But we also know that the Holy Spirit is the reason that we have the Word of God today because it was through Him, through the Comforter, John 14 and, and John 16, that we have the Word of God today. It is the Word. The Bible is the Word of God. It's that same thing that we mentioned in 1 Corinthians 13, in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, and in chapter 14, we're talking about Spiritual gifts. They were having a problem back at that time. They were saying spiritual gifts were, were great, and they were great. But some people thought certain spiritual gifts were better than others. And they, there were people even at that time that had spiritual gifts, but wanted other spiritual gifts. And you look at 1 Corinthians, you look at chapter 1, you're going to find out that this congregation 
was a congregation that had all the spiritual gifts. They had every single one, and we don't know of any other time that that had happened. So Paul is writing them, and when he comes to chapter 13, we, we sometimes forget that this is in the context of spiritual gifts. And we look at chapter 13, and it's all about love. All about love. And you get down there towards the end, eight, uh, verses 8 and following, and you find out, it says, when that which is perfect is come, all these things are going to be done away with. All those miraculous things are going to be done away with. Now, how do we, how do we know this? Well, also we know that in Acts chapter 8, we talked about that a little bit this morning with uh, Simon the sorcerer. You know, he looked and he wanted to have, uh, he became a Christian, but he wanted to have those spiritual gifts. He was a magician, so he wanted to be able to, to use these things to get gain. And they said, no, you can't, you can't do that. Now, the point is this. He went up to the apostles because he found out what? That it was only through the apostles that the passing on of spiritual gifts could occur. So, therefore, after that time, after all those men died, and then everybody that they had given spiritual gifts to had passed away, there is no more spiritual gifts on this earth as far as miraculous things are concerned. Right? No more spiritual gifts. But we don't need them. Because we have that which is perfect. That's the word of God. We have complete knowledge of the covenant in the word of God. So, so yes, you know, you, you look at the word of God and the Bible. It is what we need to follow because it is truth. In John 8 verse 32 it says, And, and ye shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. You want to be free? You want to be free? I mean, you know, there's a lot of things in this world that, uh, you know, in America, what we're free, right? I'd only go so far, I know, these days. But, you know, we claim to be a free nation. We want to be free. That was the whole thought process that established this country, is the thought of freedom. You want to be free? Be free from sin. Be free in, in a spiritual way. Then guess what? You need to get into the Word of God. You need to study it. You need to study because it is truth. And the truth can make you free. Another passage I'd like for you to turn to this one if you will. Uh, John chapter 12. John chapter 12 and verse 48. Very, very important passage for us to understand the importance of getting back to the Word of God, making sure that we're following the Scriptures and not anything else. So John chapter 12 and verse 48, read this with me. It says, He that rejecteth me and receiveth not my words hath one that judgeth him. The words that I have spoken, the same shall judge him in the last day. Did you see that? Now, I went and I studied this passage a little bit more. And I went in and I looked at the original text. In the original text, I want to make sure of this. But it says, He that rejecteth me and receiveth not my words. Now, those two things are coupled together. 
And a lot of times when we see that, we'll go, well, you know, one plus one, right? That's what we do whenever, whenever we're uh, doing math problems with words. The word and means you add it. So one plus one. But that is not the case here. That the, the word and actually is not in relation to these two things. It's actually not supposed to be like this. But the idea here is simply this. In the Greek, when emphasis was to be made, they would repeat something. That, that's why you see several times where something is repeated just after you have seen it. Yeah, I'll give you an example. You look at Luke chapter uh, 13 and verse 3. And it says, uh, I tell you, neighbor, unless you repent, ye shall all likewise perish. That exact, almost exact phrase is used again in verse 5 for emphasis. The same thing is done right here in one sentence where you say, He that rejecteth me, that is the Lord Jesus Christ, and receiveth not my words, that is equal. Those are the same thing. He that rejecteth me, if you reject me, you've got somebody that's going to judge you. And that thing is the word of God. You've got that. And then also, guess what? It says, he that rejecteth me and receiveth not my words. Both of those things are equal. You want to reject Christ? Okay. Then, then you're going to be judged on that. At the, the end of that, what do you see? He that rejecteth me and what? Receiveth not my words. Those things are both equal. Well, well why, is it, why is it that we're saying they're equal? Well, listen to this. Can a person believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God? Well, sure. I think that's basically why we're all here this morning, right? So he believes that a person believes that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. But on the same note, a person could believe without ever following the Word of God, right? They, they might believe, but they don't put anything into it. They don't follow the word of God. And so he that rejecteth me and also he that receiveth not my words. Both those two categories of people are equal. Hath one that judgeth him. The words that I have spoken, the same shall judge him in the last day. It is not enough for us to simply believe. You, 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 you say, well, wait a second. Uh, I, I hear people saying all the time, I, I, all you have to do is believe. That's not the case. You look over at James, and, and, and James says, you believe there is one God. You do well, even the demons believe and tremble. Uh, are we going to start... Preaching now that the demons are, are going to go to heaven? Is that what we're going to do? No, it, it's not enough for us to simply believe. There is more to it than that. And so we have to get back to the Bible. Start searching through the scriptures to figure out what it is that we need to do. So we're, we're getting back to the Bible. Next thing, point two here. So if we're getting back to the Bible, doesn't that necessitate that we follow the entirety of the Bible? I mean, we're talking Old and New Testaments, right? So let's 
We need to follow both. Because see, you know, right right here today, if you're going to hear New Testament Christianity. But you know, there's an Old Testament too, right? So what is it that we need to do? Don't we need to follow the Old Testament as well? Well, let's think about that this morning. In Hebrews chapter 9, verses 15 through 17... It talks about the idea of a testament or a will, if you if you will. You know, when you you write a will, I heard this in Bible class, but you know, when 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 you write a will, on your will it'll say the last will and testament of whoever. So it is the same thing. Those two words can be interchanged. So when we're talking about the Old Testament and we're talking about the New Testament, those are wills. Those are testaments, but they are wills. And so when we think about this, Hebrews 9, 15 through 17. It's talking about this idea of, of the differing wills, but it, specifically after Christ has come. And it says, for where a, uh, where a testament is of forces after what? Men are dead. After men are dead. You, you, you cannot accept that will until after they have passed on. And so when did the New Testament come into effect? Well, it came into effect after the death of Christ. Now before that, what were they under? They were under the old law. Uh, we're under the new law. Now, now does that mean, because I've heard this before, uh, for pe- from people who go... You know, all, all people want to do is they want to follow the New Testament. But, you know, you got to follow the Old Testament, too. Well, but those two things are, are impossible to do. You cannot follow both of those things, number one. But some people will say, look, following the New Testament and people who teach that you should follow and solely follow the New Testament are disregarding the Old Testament completely. Is that the case? Well, it shouldn't be. In Romans 15, 4, it says, concerning the Old Testament, whatsoever things were written aforetime were written for our learning. It is written for our learning. The Old Testament was leading up to something better. Now, when you go and study through Hebrews, and, and you know, that, that's something that you should do uh, at, at you know, your soonest opportunity. When you're studying through Hebrews, you find out that there is something that is better. That is the superiority of Christ is, is taught throughout Hebrews. There's a superior covenant. There was a superior sacrifice. And we have a loving God who sent His Son to die for us. Everything is perfect. Everything is superior to that of the Old Testament. Well then, you know, why in the world do they have the Old Testament? The Old Testament was to point to Christ. And we see that in Galatians chapter 3, that the Old Testament was a schoolmaster bringing us, bringing us to the new, bringing us to the Lord. And one of the things that we've been studying here on Sunday mornings typically, and we didn't this morning, but, but typically we've been studying through Leviticus. And one of the things that you see in Leviticus is you see all these uh, very detailed descriptions of sacrifices and things like that. And when you're going through and looking what the, at what the priests had to do, it's all pointing towards Christ. You see it perfectly. It's pointing to something better. They're looking for something better. And that is what is mentioned 
throughout Hebrews is that they were looking for something better. And we have found it in the New Testament. This was given to us to follow. Now, some today will say, well, we're not under a law. You know, we're not under a law today. You talk about the Mosaic law. We're not under the Mosaic law. We're not under the patriarchal law. We're not offering sacrifices. We're not doing those things. We're not under a law at all. Correction. Galatians 6.2, we are under the law of Christ. We have to follow what he says. Matthew 28, verses 18 through 20 gives a great commission, but verse 18 says that he has all authority given to him in heaven and in earth. So everything that is in heaven and in earth is under the authority of Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ, having said already, as we've studied in John 12 and verse 48, that it's by his words that we are judged. Therefore, what is it that we should do? We need to follow his word. Now, we get that when it comes to to law, right? You know, there's a law of the land. And there are certain laws even within states that differ, right? And if a person wants to abide by the law, they need to know what it says. At least have some general ideas because you don't want to do something illegal because you know that you are going to be judged by that law. And we know that throughout this country that murder is wrong. You cannot do that. But if a person were to murder another person... What do we see happening? That they're going to be judged by that law. And so those of us who see this, we have to take a step back and go, wait a second. There are consequences to my actions. I need to stay within this law. No matter how complicated it gets, we're going to do what's right. That's that's what we want to do. We don't want to do something wrong. We don't... We might be concerned about the consequences of that. The point is simply this. We need to get back to the Bible. And we need to follow the New Testament because that is what Jesus Christ would want us to do. Now the next question is this. If I am going to get back to the Bible, if I'm going to follow the New Testament, then I need to follow the New Testament pattern. And what does that mean? It means anything that the New Testament has given us that we need to follow, then we're going to do it. We've done several of those things already this morning. You think about John 4 and verse 24. God is a spirit and they that worship him must worship in spirit and in truth. And so we have to do things with the right attitude and we have to do things the right way. We have to have both of those things. We can't choose one or the other. We have to have them both. And so when we are uh, worshiping God, we need to do several things. You know, we, we've, we've seen some of these things this morning. And in that, you know, we've uh, partaken of the Lord's Supper and we've given. And, and all these things are mentioned within Scripture.
Brethren, there is a New Testament pattern, though, particularly for the way a person must come to Christ. And you'll hear a lot of different things. You'll hear a lot of different things, and people will say, well, you know, all you have to do is believe. And we've already kind of mentioned that this morning by by mentioning what uh, James wrote about the demons. You know, they... (laughs) They believe and they tremble. You know, they're afraid. They know that they're in the wrong. Now, let's let's mention some other things. Some people say, "Well, you know, I'm I'm saved by grace." And and when they say this, most of the time they say, "I'm saved by grace alone," and it means that they don't have to do anything else outside of they're saved by grace. Now, I believe that we're saved by grace. Ephesians 2 and verse 8. For you are saved by grace. But that's not the only part of that passage. It says, for ye are saved by grace through faith. And that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. So we are saved through faith. Faith. If we are saved through uh, saved by grace through faith, what does that mean? Well, you look at Romans ten and verse seventeen. So then, faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. So if faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God, and I'm saved by grace, but that is only through faith, then I'm saved by Grace in the effort that I go through in learning what to do. Grace comes in because we did not deserve for Christ to die for us. Not a single one of us deserves that. Not a single one of us can earn our way into heaven or or be deserving to go to heaven. Not in a million years. There's nothing we could do because we all needed Jesus Christ to die for us. I remember hearing a a, a young person uh, say one time, well, why couldn't couldn't just another person die? Why, Why couldn't they die for somebody else's sin? And the point is simple. Who's going to die for his sin? We needed that perfect sacrifice, the sinless sacrifice of Jesus Christ to cover our sins. And so when we think about this New Testament pattern for salvation, let's, let's consider all the options. Now, we see that we're saved by grace, but we see that that is through faith, and we gain faith by reading the Word of God, studying the Word of God. So we're saved by grace, yes. No, now, what about faith? Are we saved by our faith? Well, let's, let's think about that. John 3 and verse 16. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever what, believeth in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. You believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, that, that's the same as faith there. Yes, faith can save you. 
The question is, how? How does faith save us? Does it save us just because we have it? Well, let me let me ask you ask you a question. Let's say let's say that this church building is is going to burn down. We know it's going to burn down. Let's say the fire is starting right behind me, and it's it's going on. And, and I'm going to say, look, I, I, I smell the smoke. We're in danger. We need to get out of here. And so we can all get up and leave, but a part of that was what? Belief. You know, you believe that what I'm saying is true, then you're going to follow suit, right? If you really believe, you're, you're not going to stay in a burning building, are you? You know, that, that, that's, that would almost be certain death, right? That's not something that, that would be very intelligent on our part. So even though we could believe all day long, that has to be backed up by something else. And so, yes, we believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, and that is a part of salvation. But what else is there? So we, we believe. But what about repentance? What is repentance? Well, we already mentioned Luke 13.3. I tell you, nay, but unless you repent... Ye shall all likewise perish. But what does it mean to repent? Well, repentance is a change of mind that results in a change of action. And so when one repents of their sins, they realize that this thing that I've been doing is wrong. And I'm not going to do that anymore. I cannot do that. And I'm going to follow the Lord. So we see that repentance also is a part of salvation. So, we've talked about grace, and we've talked about belief, and we've talked about repentance. But then there's confession. And Matthew 10, 32 and 33 says that uh, if we confess Christ before men, He will confess us before the Father which is in heaven. But if we deny Him before men, then He will deny us before the Father which is in heaven. We also see in Acts chapter 8, uh, with the Ethiopian eunuch that uh, down around verse 37 that what, what happened with him is you know he, he made a good confession uh, at the point of baptism. But this is not something that you leave just at that point of baptism. You have to do this every day of your life. You confess Christ before men. And you definitely do not deny him. So we... Must confess. That's that's a part of salvation is continuing to confess Christ before men. So what 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 are we what are we leaving out? You know what? We must be baptized into Christ. Now, as it was talked about in Bible class, and maybe some of you were not here for Bible class, but uh, there there is the mention of of baptism and what baptism means. Now. Uh, it is a transliteration, as was mentioned in, in, in Bible class, which is a letter-for-letter a letter transmission from one language to another. So, you know, baptizo is, is, the, is the word, and they've just said baptism. That's it. That's, that's the word now. And so they use that word baptism. Now, what does that mean? Well, baptism means... 
to dip, plunge, or immerse. Now, uh, it's really interesting. There's a, a guy uh, many, many years ago, um, over 100 years ago, that he compiled all the material, and most of it, we, we still use most of it today. But he took every single, every single time that this was mentioned in a lexicon or a dictionary or anything, he, he took every reference, and it literally ends up being about a hundred pages in the book uh, that, I, that I own. And in this book, all these references, and I can't tell you how many references these are, but it says every single time in some form or fashion to dip, plunge, or immerse, no other options. So what does that mean? That means we need to completely immerse someone uh, when we're doing this. And this is done in water, as we see in 1 Peter 3 and verse 21. Uh, like figure one and two, even baptism doth also now save us, not the removal of the filth of the flesh, but the answer of a good conscience toward God. Uh, Acts chapter 2 and verse 38, we see that they did that, and they did it, uh, you know, there in water. So all these things... You know, we can continue to point this out, but it, it cannot mean any other thing. See, the action here is done to the person. That is what the original text is indicating. The person is dipped into water. So let's, let's for sake of argument, just go with the English here. And let's say that pouring is, is the mode um, I'm not exactly sure how you are going to pour a person out to do that. That's literally what, what it would have to be done. Oh, well, let's say sprinkling is to be done. Well, you literally have to sprinkle a person, their contents. I guess you would have to grate them up. I'm not going to be a part of that process. You know, the point is, is, is very simple, though. Because in the Greek, if they wanted to use a word that meant to pour or a word that meant to sprinkle, they had those available to them. But they did not use those words. They used the word for baptism. It means to dip, plunge, or immerse. Further illustrate this, when you look at uh, Greek manuscripts of various kinds, there's uh, several times when you'll see somebody mention uh, a, a ship sinking. And you know what they say about the ship sinking? They literally say it was baptized. There was a prince that somebody wanted dead. And so you know what they did is they paid off his friends. And they went out to a swimming place. And they continually plunged him underwater until he drowned. Do you know what they mentioned there as the word used to put him under the water several times? They used the word baptizo. Now, we could talk about that further. I don't think anything further is necessary to be stated. So we have to be baptized into Christ. That is a part of salvation. But then there's one more thing, is that we have to live 
faithfully. Revelation 2 and verse 10, Be thou faithful unto death, and thou shalt receive a crown of life. Now, I've got to ask you something. Which one of these things can we leave out? Which one of these things can we say, Nah, I'm not going to do that one. Uh, Repentance? I don't think so. But you know, I'm going to be saved because I've done everything else. Uh, let me. I want adults here. Raise your hand if you've ever been to the DMV. Have you ever been to the DMV? Raise your hand. I want to see these hands here. Okay. How many times have you gone to the DMV and you've gone in there and they said, you know what, you don't have complete documentation, and then you have to come back? Yeah. That happens, doesn't it? Now, why is that? They have to have things in a particular order. I remember one time specifically that I thought, man, every time I have gone to DMV, I've had to go back two or three times until I've gotten everything. And so I called ahead and I said, hey, I want to make sure I've got this right. And I called and they told me, you need to bring all these things. I bring all those things. Guess what? I didn't have enough. So I had to go right back. But you know what? We're going to do it their way because they have a particular set of guidelines to go by. The same thing happens with God's Word. What can we leave out? You know, if I go to the DMV and I go, I know, I know that you wanted to look at envelopes with my address on it from from some banks or whatever, you know, something to show that I live where I live. But I'm not going to do that. You know, what are they going to say? <laughs> well, sir, it is your lucky day. You are not going to register your vehicle. You know, that that's, that's how it's going to be. So if that happens in our realm, then what about with God? Should we say, ah, you know, I don't like that baptism thing. I don't want to get my hair wet, you know. It takes a long time for it to look like this. I don't want to do that. You know, that it doesn't matter. We have to do it whatever way he's prescribed. We can't do it our way. We have to do it his way. So I'm just submitting to you this morning is that we need to get back to the Bible. We need to follow the New Testament. We need to follow the New Testament pattern. That means that we need to follow the New Testament pattern for salvation. If you have not been saved in the way that we have just mentioned, you need to make that right with God. You need to make sure that you have become a Christian because that's, that's the way he set it out for us. We have to do it his way. And we cannot leave anything out. And so, if there's anybody here that is in need to respond to the invitation this morning, maybe you just need some prayers, we'll be glad to pray for you. But if you have not yet obeyed the gospel, we want you to do that today, and we would love to help you out with that. So if there's anybody here that needs to respond to the invitation, please come as we stand and as we sing.